This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Episode two. We made it. It's been it's been so long. Such we, a long road. We did it. Thank you for joining us. And if you listened to our first episode and you're back, we appreciate you so, so much. My name is Jennifer Chaikin. And my name's Emily Beerley. We are both licensed marriage and family therapists, and we are the owners of the Westchester Therapy Group. It's a private practice in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and we also have the Philadelphia Therapy Group in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now, if you listen to episode one, we're going to do another quick disclaimer. This shit's not therapy. No, it's not. This is our reminder that you still need to see a therapist, um, that... Any of the things we talk about, we don't know you as individual people, so we're not giving uh, blanket statements of advice. We're just giving our thoughts and our therapeutic recommendations based on the information we have, which isn't everything. So take it with a grain of salt, y'all. Let's do this. Let's do it. today's episode, we're going to talk about dating and the beginning of relationships. We were originally going to put relationships all into one episode, but we realized that it probably needs like 18 episodes. So we're going to try to put it into three. So, And and it probably won't even be that. Yeah. No. We probably have so much more to say, but we'll start with dating um, because everyone had so many questions about it. And also the beginning of relationships is really triggering for a lot of people. So we wanted to answer all of your questions questions that you sent in. Um, and so let's get started. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with one of the questions from our amazing, uh, viewers. Viewers. Well, you know, I wanted to make it more of a game show. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah I good. thought it'd be funny. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Hey, viewers. Just kidding. All right. Fuck it. How can, <laughs> how can you tell if your reaction is intuitive based or past triggers? And this also goes along with another question we got, which is how do you keep your current relationship from being affected by your previous experiences? Jen, what do you think? Contestant one. It's me. So first of all, amazing question. Because I think that everyone is susceptible to bringing their past relationships into their current relationships. And bringing their past trauma and history in their relationships with their family into their current relationship. So how can you tell the difference? Great question. Now, I know... I know we're going to start to sound like broken records here. That we are. That we are. Because if you listen to last week's episode, it talked about the importance of knowing yourself. And this goes along with being able to tell the difference between your intuition base and your past triggers of all this stuff. And think about it this way. When I feel excitement and when I feel anxiety, these things can often feel similar. Sometimes my heart races with both. Sometimes I can get sweaty or clammy with both. But I've had to be able to determine which is excitement and which is anxiety. And I want you all to think about physiologically, what does this look like for you? So for me, my, I can feel it more like, for me, like when it's a trigger, I feel like more like my temperature of my body changes. Now for me, when it's intuition, I can feel it more in my stomach. Um, and the same thing, like when it's my anxiety or it's past triggers, my chest feels really tight. It feels more weighted. So for me, it's all about my physical symptoms I have going on, but that is for me particularly, this is the importance of knowing yourself and doing that internal work so that when you get to the dating part of your relationship, you can listen to yourself more and be able to really acknowledge that. I also think we're, we are taught 
not to trust ourselves a lot of the time. That especially women. Especially women. We're, you know, and, uh, you know, if we jump into the whole gaslighting thing. Oh, yeah. You know, with dating. Um, Can you, know, you, like, quickly explain what gaslighting is? So gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse when someone manipulates you by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. So, for example, if someone is hurting you in some way or someone's saying something to hurt you and you're calling them out on it, um, them saying that's not true or them saying they didn't mean that, and so they end up making you question your own uh, mental, psychological, mental health. And the way I always think about this and talk about it to clients is like, I have so many clients who are like, oh, well, he'd like, like, I feel so crazy. Like, I feel crazy. And I always think like, well, he's a crazy maker. Well, that person in that relationship then is a crazy maker, right? Like, if you in your relationship are always feeling out of control, if you're always feeling, I know that the word crazy is... Not great, no. but this is just, you know, I'm just telling the example of what I typically have in sessions. And think about why do I keep feeling this in this relationship? Why do I keep feeling with this person? And like, should I really be dating them? Is this really the best possible partner for me? And a great thing to think about, we should, I don't know if we could do this, but we should start a book club for some of our listeners because a great book to think about reading at this time is Attached. Okay. If you haven't read the book Attached and you're dating, I highly recommend checking it out. And we could talk a little bit about how like attachment influences your dating. I think that's a really good idea because if you have ever taken a human development class, you probably <laughs> have heard about attachment or a psych class or your parent. <laughs> yes. Parenting is a big part of it talk, too. Right? Breastfeeding is all about attachment. They're all about attachment with kids. Yep. And if you didn't know, we tend to take our attachment styles into our romantic mm-hmm. relationships. So, okay, so we'll go over, like, the quick, like, three attachment styles. So it's, like, secure is one. You're securely attached. Like, basically, you can all figure out what the fuck that means. It means, like, y'all are fine. And then insecurely attached means, like, there was probably some type of attachment break growing up. Um, maybe your parents were around. Like, I think this is really common. One of the things that can happen, especially mothers who develop really severe postpartum depression because struggle with some attachment towards their child. And the third is anxious avoidant attachment style, where you, it's exactly what you hear, people, you either are seriously struggle with being anxious or avoidant in your relationships. And knowing your attachment style is really helpful with how you're sort of developing in your relationship and how you're able to listen to yourself and handle all these things. This also directly correlates with figuring out if your reaction is intuition-based or past triggers, because past triggers can very much translate into your attachment style. So, for example, if you're anxiously attached and someone isn't texting you back, then your immediate response is an anxiety and you try to hold on tighter. So if you're anxiously Mm -hmm. attached, you're going to want, your anxiety starts to get triggered, you start to want to hold on to your partner tighter, and then you react in ways that might actually end up pushing them away. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's an example, Jen. Jen, here's an example for you. All right, listeners. My clients, my customers, my my customers. viewers. I don't know why I keep trying so to make it platforms. to. A, I know I keep trying to make it into. She's really trying to make it into a game show. And it's not, it's like price. It's is right. not. Listen, I feel like my secret dream is to be a game show host. What game show would you host? I think that's the bigger question. I don't even watch game shows. I don't even okay. know. We got to dig a little deeper. Yeah, into fuck. This. All right. Okay. So here's the example we're going to talk about here. So an example of somebody being intuition-based versus trigger-based is let's say somebody continuously keeps avoiding you. (laughs) They're not answering you. 
they um, really only hang out. And like this goes for like friendships as well, right? So like you're always the one that does all the work. They're not super present when they see you. Um, you could like start to feel that, right? Now, that's my intuition based. Now, if you think about trigger based, maybe this person is really busy. They recently got into a new relationship. They have a lot happening with their career. They do reach out, they ask who you are, they try to be as present as possible, but they are a little bit stressed out. Maybe you're just feeling slightly rejected by them, but they're doing these other things to try as much as they can in the relationship. We cannot expect everyone to show up for us the way we always show up for them. And we can only expect people to show up in what they're able to give at that time. You know what I think too, if you um, think about, to figure out if something's intuition based or past trigger based, Think about all of your relationships. Are you repeating mm. the same patterns in Ooh. every relationship? So whether it's friendships, whether it's romantic relationships, if you're reacting in the same way to some sort of break in the relationship or some sort of rejection, which we all we will get rejected in every relationship no matter what, um, it's just a matter of what meaning you make of that rejection. And so think about the way in which you process that rejection or that break and if it repeats over and over and over again in every relationship then that's something to consider is probably connected to your past triggers mm -hmm. hell yeah right am i right yeah you're right you're right you're give right. me a right oh yeah okay so that actually sort of brings us into our next question how and i'll let emily answer this one <laughs> <laughs> how can a guy change his mind about you in a day he and also <laughs> Why do men lose interest after asking you to be their girlfriend? That's a shame. I know. So listen, I don't know who asked this question. How can a guy change his mind about you in a day? And I have to tell you something. Whoever you are, I have to speak right to you right now. They can't. It didn't happen. He had already decided. He wasn't invested. He had already decided. It wasn't right. That says nothing about you. You're wonderful. You're great. He had already disconnected from you and this relationship. It didn't change in a day. Maybe he was just a pussy. Maybe he's just submissive. We don't know. We're not sure. We're not exactly sure, but I can tell you it didn't happen in one day. And, and I'm sorry that it hurt. We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy 
healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50 to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but the quality is unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash shrink chicks. I has something to do with him. So this mm-hmm. brings us into the topic of rejection. Yeah. Which I think is a really important thing to talk about, especially <sighs> when we talk about dating because it's so horribly painful. And I think that we tend to feel like rejection is very personal to us when really it's about the other person. And you can think about it this way. If you think about men or women, you know, whoever you're into, um, you, your sexual attraction towards them. If you say, if you see someone say, listen, I'm not really into that person. You date them for, for a few weeks. I'm not really into that person. Um, and you end up having to break it off with them just because you weren't into it. Does that mean that they're not a desirable person that they shouldn't, they, they should feel like they're unwanted in some way. So the same thing goes for us when we're rejected we take it so personally. I'm someone who's not lovable. I'm someone who, you know, no one wants to be with. When really, it's not about you at all. It's about the other person. And I think that our ability to separate ourselves from that rejection is so important yeah. in our ability to work through it. Oof. That's a hard one. That's such a hard one. Rejection is so true because we feel it in so many points of our life, right? Like, I mean, I can even feel it sometimes when certain clients don't come back and see me. Do you? Right? Like, sometimes it feels like a little bit what hurts, but then I have to remind myself as I'm not the right therapist for them and they're not the right client for me. And it's not personal. Exactly. It just didn't work out. But it is really hard to, yeah, to take ourselves away from personalizing it. Question for you. Oh, God. When... In your life these days, when do you feel rejected the most? In my life these days? You want to know what? So it's not by people. I would say I am 30 and a mom. 
And like, welcome to your thirties. For, and for some people though, like, like that's for me, like having a child at 30 is like, um, feels very young because I'm really one of my few friends that has a child. That's true. So some, actually. yeah. So for me, it's hard because I feel rejection when I see a lot of my friends hanging out and I like whatever the baby goes to bed early and it's not that I wasn't included or, and I also have like no shame of inviting myself to stuff, but it's more that I feel a disconnect from the type of person I was before and who I was because became a mother and so it feels like a form of rejection but it isn't it's not personal right. it's just that my life is very different now do you have to remind yourself of that when you feel rejected I have to remind myself to to settle literally every hour of the day <laughs> I have to remind we talked about in the last episode I care a lot I'm an intense person my mom this is like the number one thing my mom says to me Emily I say this to all my clients feelings aren't facts my mom's a therapist too. <laughs> That's going to be a whole other That'll episode. Be a whole other episode. We'll actually just bring Emily's mom on. <laughs> no, it'll be amazing. All right. So yeah. So this all goes. It's okay. So someone else who said, "Why do men lose interest after asking to be their girlfriend?" They didn't. I'm so sorry. They maybe already struggled with committing. Maybe they weren't ready to make that commitment to you. Maybe they didn't. You guys weren't able to negotiate the terms of what that relationship looks like. And that's something else we can talk about is like when you're dating, when you're starting out new relationships, have you discussed what this relationship is going to look like? Because dating and girlfriend and boyfriend for me might not be what it looks like for Jen, right? So just because that for me, that means exclusive, does that really mean it for other people? And you guys have to define what is happening in your relationship. So it might be that they asked you to be their girlfriend and they had different definitions of what that meant than you. So I'm sorry it didn't change as quickly as you think. Also, this is where communication mm-hmm. is so important and so much more difficult at the beginning of relationships or when you're dating someone to really dig deep and get vulnerable with each other. Um, that's what that's what would really help this process move along to have these conversations about like what's your definition of girlfriend or what's your definition of being in a relationship but no one has those conversations because they're awkward because they're awkward they don't have to be but they feel awkward sometimes I'll talk to my clients and I'll kind of like mimic the type of conversation that might be helpful in a situation and they're like yeah I don't talk like this (laughs) I'm like yeah no shit no one talks like this it would be weird All right, so Jen, you have to answer the next one. Oh no. Because you're introverted. And this person had an amazing question. How can I meet new people being introverted? I think that makes dating difficult for me because people think I'm too serious or angry at something or someone. Oh god. So so their fear is that by them being introverted they come off as like bitchy or something. Right? Isn't that what they're saying? Yeah, I would say so. I mean I think that Which don't you think that can happen? Well, I think that extroverts are more celebrated in our society. Like, yes. I think it's it's much more acceptable to be extroverted. Sometimes introverts feel very insecure about the fact that they're introverted. It actually pushes them further inside of themselves. So I think dating especially, especially if you're in a, in a group setting and a lot of people are talking, it can be really overwhelming for someone who's introverted. Um cause a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things you can do. I think the dating apps these days are really helpful. You get to stay at home and sit in your bed and talk to new people. Now, okay, so let me ask you this. Yes. What is the possible... We talked in the last episode that I have never participated in app dating because I 
have been with my husband for, you know, centuries, it feels like. Centuries. So can you talk a little bit about what you think the downfalls and the good parts of yes. app-based dating? App, da- app? I know. App-based dating. And Shelly sells seashells. She's she sure. Good. All right. <laughs> We're good. We got this. But this podcast thing is really going to last a long time. So, um, so I think one of the good things is that if you're introverted and if you're in an, an area where it's hard to meet people or if you're at an age where it's hard to meet people, um, I think it can be really, really positive. I think that some of the negatives are that um, these days apps are almost designed as like a game. And <gasps> a game? A game. And so everyone's kind of looking for the next thing. Grass is always greener kind of thing. So how, what do you do? How do you stand out? I mean, great question. I think that you really have to be open about what you're looking for and listen to what other people are looking for. Sounds like kissing a lot of frogs. Don't ignore the red flags. Ooh, okay. I think that it's very easy to ignore the red flags when you're really interested in getting into a relationship, don't you think? Well, yeah. And I think this is, like, something else to think about, specifically depending on, like, what age you are. I think that, like, in your late 20s, there is a huge, like, freak out. Like, there's, like, internal freak out that some people go through about, like, needing to be in a relationship. Yes. And I think for women, part of that's coming from is thinking, like, all right, so if we start dating at 30, then, we got, then we'll date till we're 32, and then we get engaged till we're 33, and then we want to be married for a year on our own. And our then I'm 35, line. and then guess what happens when you're 35? You go to the fucking doctors if, if you're lucky enough to get pregnant, which, to be fair, you could have, I can talk about this, you could have infertility issues at any age, which I went through a lot. Um, and <laughs> then they fucking stamp on your file geriatric pregnancy. No, wait, hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I think the bigger issue is they have a stamp that says geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> Which shows you how old and ridiculous the system is. So, they yes. To, they have to actually order that stamp specifically <laughs> to say geriatric pregnancy. From, probably from eBay. Probably from eBay, yeah. <laughs> That's where old people it's, shop. Right, and, of and course. And old systems. So, because guess what? You're not old at 35 and you're not old at 45. But unfortunately... We live inside. Hey, listen, and I have friends in their 30s that are freezing their eggs because of this. Wow. Because for them, they would just much rather have the choice and feel like they want a little bit more control. And they're also, uh, two people I know that do this work in the healthcare field and we're able to be Mm. able to afford it Mm. because it is also expensive. Very expensive. And it takes a lot to, it it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? Don't you have to take hormones? Uh, yes. Oh, to do an egg retrieval. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. It's a whole thing. It's the start of the IVF process yes. when they do the egg retrieval. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Another thing that I think totally fucks us over in this generation is social media. Well, duh. Because in your <laughs> late 20s, all you see on social media is people either getting married. Buying a house. Buying a house. Killing it at their career. I thought you said... <laughs> I did not know what you said just then. Oh, what did it? I, don't know, I, thought you were, I thought you were saying like killing someone. And I was like, I don't know who you're following on social media. Killing it at their career. Yes. That's a great one. <laughs> or having babies. Yeah. I'm actually, to be fair, I fit all of those. <laughs> killing someone. <laughs> the killing someone part. But, no, we're all, we are all culprits of this. Yes, no, no, no. But we, I'm, put, I'm putting our highlight reels on. I highlight do it too. Reel, yeah. Right. And so I think that it makes other people feel 
really bad about themselves if they're not in that place. But the fact of the matter is, it is your process and your journey, and you need to take your time, be comfortable yeah. with where you're at. Everyone is different. And wait, so I have a question, because we weren't planning on going to this question next, but Jen, could we do this next question? Of course we can. Um, I support you. Yeah, so the next question somebody wrote in is, how do you know you really love someone versus just settling so you're not alone? Because that goes into like what we're talking about. I think that's a really hard one because well, so we're, it, it touches on this thing we keep talking about, well, which we is know saying. yourself. We, we're we're going to rename this podcast, just know yourself. Know yourself. And then we're, it's just going to be a broken record on repeat that says <laughs> just, know yourself, know yourself. And we're going to brainwash you. That would be hypnosis. Hypnosis. That's good. We're not Hip- trained, but we could try. Yeah. We could do our best. Yes. <laughs> Probably be horrible. It's going to be bad. So yeah. sorry. Yeah. So that's a really good question. How do you know when you really love someone and you're just settling for you're not alone? I think you could, if you were to take, sit back and really think about it. Do you keep justifying their behavior? Do you keep making excuses and you're being a little bit too understanding of some stuff, right? Like, I mean, I have heard, I've had clients that come in and just, you know, I'm thinking about one client specifically who's just one of the most amazing people ever and just continuously ended up in relationships that weren't great. And they would openly admit how much they wanted to be with someone. And they knew that they were settling, right? But to be fair, when people hit a certain age, they think, well, maybe I'd rather just do that. I don't want to give up having a family. I don't want to give up this stuff. And I'm so scared of the timeline. I'm so scared of biology. And I think everyone gets to make that choice for themselves. Who are we to pass judgment, right? Okay, also, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, too. It's like... I think there's such pressure on being in a relationship because you're madly in love. Yeah. And the thing is that, like, love is important, but you also have to choose to be in love, too. Well, it's also like this idea that, like, people think you could be happy all the time. You cannot be happy all the time. Happiness is an emotion. Right. Just like any other emotion. They come and they go. You're not happy all the time. Anyone who says they're happy all the time, I want to know what drug they have and I would like some. <laughs> or they're lying. Or they're probably just lying. Or they're not connected. Yeah. They don't know themselves Ah. it's beautiful we did it again (laughs) so I think that's a really important question knowing yourself um and but like what is settling what would you say settling even means that's a great question because there's such a pressure on like not settling but like what does that even really mean Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair, but when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, 
aka the gold standard in research studies, pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink chicks say goodbye to the cheap razor era my friends it's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with athena club em and i just got back from an amazing trip to the caribbean to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our practice the therapy group and in haste of packing because yours truly is a packing procrastinator i forgot my athena club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth a mistake i will never make again the athena club hype is real the shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothness, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must-have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook, storage is a breeze. No more dealing with goopy blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises. And the quality of the shave is top notch. Those five precision engineered blades glide effortlessly, leaving you a silky smooth skin every time. Plus, the water-activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable, irritation-free shave. Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code shrinkchicks at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. You know, it's important to think about what is a smart, some people marry someone or stay with someone because they're a smart choice. Some people stay or marry with someone because they're the right choice. And I don't know if it's so black and white like that, right? So like we talk about like a smart choice. Sometimes a smart choice, for me, if I am so fearful of not being financially secure, let's say that I grew up in a really financially insecure situation. It, I have lots of student loans and, and I can get along pretty well with anyone and I'm generally pretty happy. But for me, having financial stability is one of the most important things I can have in my life. Let's say I choose to marry someone who's really financially stable. Does that mean they're my soulmate? Well, frankly, if you're my client, you'll know that I don't think soulmates exist. Right. So I don't fucking know. I don't think, it, so I don't think it matters. But if that's what for you feels like safety and the right decision for you and the safe decision for you, there is no shame in that. I think that what you're speaking to is like, what are your values? Yeah. Right? Like think about what your values are and does this person fit with your values? Yeah. You know, does it help you? Well, it kind of goes back to the trigger base. Like if you're more triggered with someone does that mean something? Mm. If you're more secure with yourself, right? If you feel good in a relationship about who you are, feel like you can be yourself, then that might mean something for you. Yeah, absolutely. So there's such a pressure on not settling, but it's hard to say, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right. But, like, I would like to know what my husband thinks. <laughs> Do you yeah. think? I wonder if my husband's listening to this and, like, I fucking settled on her. 
You think? I, I doubt don't know. It. You should have that conversation with him. <laughs> Be like, I don't know if I want to know. He's already committed. We have a baby. That's in the house. true. It doesn't matter now. He's in it. <laughs> and like, if he if he feels like he's settled, he really has to work through that himself. <laughs> send him on, send him on his way to therapy. <laughs> I did make him go to therapy. How did it when, go? When we were going through so so many infertility issues, and he would like come to me, and I'd be like, "Oh, I can't fucking help you. Like, like I am such a mess." I am struggling so much. Like, you better go talk to someone. Yeah. I think I, the only thing I can remember, he really likes the therapist. I should get the name. He sounds like a great guy in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, the only thing I remember him saying to Aaron is like, you know, life's about to get really busy. It sounds like maybe you should, because I always give Aaron so much shit, because Aaron wants to, my husband is Aaron. He wants to do everything himself. He wants to mow the lawn himself, and he wants to, like, we, like and I'm all about paying. My love language is paying for shit to be done. That's, I think that's definitely one of them. <laughs> I think that's part of it. It's, it's uh, quality time, uh, <laughs> gifts, and then paying for shit to be done. Yeah, so paying for shit to be done. So my husband never wants to do this, and I do remember the therapist being like, you know, I think maybe you should just pay someone to do that. And so nice. Where'd you find that therapist? I don't know, but I love him. Was I should... it actually one of your friends? <laughs> you like pretended like they were a therapist to help you. Exactly. That's actually yeah. a really smart move. And insane. I could probably do that with you. It's a slightly insane move. I mean, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But like, why not? Well, you're going to send Bill to me. Bill is your husband. You're going to send him to me. Yeah, no. I mean, he wouldn't know who you are. I would really <laughs> have to dress you up. <laughs> I would really have to dress you up. It would take some time. That was a scene in... Um, yes. Um, how to Lose a Guy in 10 yes, Days. Yes, right? Yes. I love, I love her. We did Okay, it. wait. So. <laughs> oh, are we on a podcast right now? Yeah, I don't know if you know. Should we get back to that? Probably. That's fine. Okay. Um, so, okay, this is a really good question. When and how should you go about sharing your mental health past with a new significant other? And how do you explain your thought process when you shut down because of trauma? So this is all surrounding mental health in your relationship. Yeah, I love this question. And we talked about this a little bit in our last episode about, like, who's a safe person to disclose to. And a part of this goes with how comfortable you are with your mental health past. So for me personally, I have no talking about the fact that I've struggled with anxiety and depression for most of my life um, because I've used humor to cope with this so much. So for me, it's a really casual conversation of, like, well... You know, start my day off with a coffee and a Zoloft, you know, and that's, so for me, that, that, well, but that's also like a regular part of my life, but I also work in a field and surround myself by people that are supportive of that. That isn't true for everyone. Right. So I think when you talk about disclosure and how and when you should, I think you talk about what's safe for you because your safety matters. You do not have to disclose ever anything. You are allowed privacy if that's what's right for you. Now, do I think that your relationship could possibly suffer from that disclosing? Possibly. Probably. Do, yeah. <laughs> do I think that your relationship might do better with disclosing? Yep, yeah, probably. Um, so I think you have to talk about when is safety and how you want to do it. I don't think everything has to be a sit down, let's make everything serious conversation. A lot of times there can be a lightness in it. And it's about how we bring it up and how we handle it is also about how someone's going to respond to it. Uh, did I answer the full question? Oh, okay. And then someone said, how do you explain your thought process when you shut down because of trauma? This is a super hard one. It's important if you are a trauma survivor, it is important for your partner to have a certain amount of education on that. And there are tons of resources online. If you look up like partner of a sexual trauma survivor, partner of an emotional trauma survivor, any of these things, there is a million different things. Your partner can read one listicle about how to support you, 
a listicle. What's a listicle? A listicle is like, you know, like a BuzzFeed thing. It's like 10 ways to feel good about yourself. That's a listicle. Oh, you see, you teach me something every day. Okay, so I have to embarrass Don't you. No, I, I so told you not to do Somebody wrote in a question where oh, they no. said, uh, they used the, the, um, the term bae, B-A-E, and Jen had no idea what it was. Uh, okay, here was my thought process is it was like kind of a term like boo, like my boo. Like <laughs> I don't know if it like if it like transformed over time. But I'm it old. means but it means before anyone else. Okay, if anyone didn't know that, please just like direct message me. <laughs> so she doesn't feel so alone. Please. Because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, that's something to be embarrassed with. Okay, so, so like I said, so your partner can go look up a listicle. It is not that hard. But I also think it's important for you to know not everyone's trauma comes out the same way. Right. So some people's trauma causes them to shut down. Some people's trauma causes them to have um, more of a higher energy episode. Whatever it is for you, it's important for you, once again, to know yourself and be able to relay that to your partner. This is where communication comes in too in your relationship. If your mental health is really important to you, then to try to figure out if it's also important to your partner or potential partner. Um, Because there's a huge stigma on mental health still. We try to pretend like there's not because we work in the field and we hear about it and talk about it all the time. Um, and I think it's, it's dissipating a little bit, the stigma. Would you agree? Yes. No, for sure. With each generation, it gets better. Absolutely. But that's also based on where you live, right? That's true. We also live in the East Coast where it's a huge conversation. I mean, it's really normalized to go to therapy here. It, it's not the same everywhere. So, I think it's becoming the cool thing to do, too, amongst teenagers to go to therapy. I would hope so. I really hope so, because it that definitely was security. not cool <laughs> we were growing when we up. were no. growing up. So our next question, how do you make sure you aren't falling into a codependent relationship? This is so important. Emily, do you want to take it away? Yeah, so this is actually easier than you think. Keep your individual identity. We talked about this in last week's episode. I know at the beginning of your relationship, you want to hang out with them all the time. I know you want to see them all the time. You need to stop. You need to keep on to your own hobbies. You need to keep showing up to work. You need to keep showing up to therapy. You need to keep showing up to all the things that you're still doing. It's really important to keep that. I understand you want to see them all the time. Of course you do. Don't do it. Just stop it. If you also feel like you're thinking more about them than you're thinking about anyone else or thinking about your own feelings, that's something to consider as well. Mm, Absolutely. Now, we have to do this question before we end today because this is really interesting, and we're going to read it, and this person has given us permission to read it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What are your thoughts on timing? I'm dating a great guy that I really like. He says he likes me, but he's not ready for commitment and needs more time to work at his personal life. He was separated two and a half years ago. Divorce was recently finalized. It was a 16-year marriage with kids. He says he ultimately wants the same thing, but he doesn't have any sort of timeline for when he will be ready. I really like him, and I worry I'm being naive, waiting for more. I've been told timing is BS, and he wants to make it work. And if he wants to make it work, he will. Help. I don't think, okay, I have a few thoughts about this. I think people deserve time to process. Right? Like, we have this idea about, like, okay, and a lot of this comes from um, the book that was my Bible growing up, which he's just not that into you. Oh, that's a good one. I I saw the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I loved the book. 
Ed's, a lot of this talks about it, and it says in the book, if he wants to move mountains for you, he will. I believe that in some ways, but I also believe people are allowed to take time to process, and maybe he's not there yet. 16-year marriage, separated two and a half years, recently divorced, and there's kids involved. I can understand someone not wanting to jump into something, when especially when there's children involved, right? Right, right. I think that that's kind of reasonable. I think what you have to say is, are you okay with waiting and it maybe not working out? The thing we have to remember is that no matter what happens in a relationship, there will be hurt. Whether you guys end up married, my, my husband, there's no guarantee. My husband could wake up next week and say, I'm out of here, right? So even if this person commits to you, it doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect. It doesn't mean it'll be perfect at all. So you have to say what's right for you. If waiting till this person's ready to commit on a certain level is the right thing for you. I don't think there's any shame in that. Also, part of the question is talking about, I've been told that timing is BS. I think a lot of the time when we're confused in our relationships, we tend to go to our friends. And it's the blind leading the blind. It's the blind leading the blind. And also no one else is in your relationship. Yeah. And you have to really trust your intuition and figure out what's right for you. And I think that when we go to our friends, it's well-intentioned. But if we follow their advice, we're following what feels right for them and not what feels right for us. Yeah. So whether it's this relationship. And maybe what feels safe for them. What feels safe a for them, A lot of right? the things we do is out of safety and out of self-preservation. And there's not shame in that. But also, where's the risk? And it's based on their values and mm-hmm. not your values. Absolutely. And so you end up, if you follow advice of your friends, you end up in a, you might end up in a relationship that would be right for them and not right for you. Yeah. And so you might have to say to your friends, this person could ultimately hurt me and this could not work out, but I'm going to try it. Right. And if I get hurt, I'll work through it. Because you will, just and so you know. You absolutely will. Do you know how many people And you can reach out to us. Whosever story this is. We're here for you. We're here for you. you and other people in your us. life will be. They might not live anywhere near us, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. But the fact, do you know how many people? Psychologytoday.com. There you go. And your zip code. Do you know how many people we've talked to who have said, I'm never going to get through this. Yeah. I'm never going to get over this. I don't know how I will be able to do this. And, and do. we watch them get through it. I think the one thing I've learned, actually I've learned a bunch of things. One only them. one thing. Only, I have only learned one thing. I've been doing this for eight <laughs> years, but one thing oh, one, I've gotten. I think one of the most important things I've learned is how resilient people are. Yeah. That no matter what, you can actually get through anything. You won't die. You might die, but if you die, you'll be dead. So it won't matter. So it won't matter. <laughs> so to our listener, viewers, customer, clients, database, <laughs> all of my favorite people, I think what Jen's really trying to say is you're resilient and you're amazing and whatever decision you make, find someone in your life that will support you, but mainly support yourself. Get to know yourself. Get to know yourself. Fuck yeah. That's episode two, baby. We didn't do the game. Oh my God. Well, I have to cut that out. I have to give a quick shout out. To I'm ready. Bra- to Brandon, our great Brandon. editor. He I came- thought it was Brendan. Oh, fuck. You're right. It's Brendan, right? We don't know. Brendan or Brandon, <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> We're not sure. He came up with our great jingle. Oh, he's wonderful. He's we could have wonderful. never done that ourselves. We, we tried, had no idea what we're doing. We tried to sing it a bunch of times. <laughs> and we you, would, all, you we, heard the voices earlier. It's not good. Not great. But we, now we're, <laughs> we're going to play our 
our game. We're going to play our game. And personal or professional. Personal or professional. It's my turn to ask Emily a question. I'm so excited because it doesn't touch on her life right now <laughs> at all. So here is my scenario. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm so ready. You are single. Yeah. Did you know? And you're dating a lot of guys and you went on a date with this one guy mm-hmm. who you really, really like. You've not one date. You've gone on like five dates. Oh, okay. This is, yeah. So you're in communication yeah, and talking. We're you're hanging. talking, you're hanging, obviously you're texting and calling him a lot, but at some point he drops off the face of the earth. He ghosts me. He ghosts you, which is pretty common these yeah, days, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. He ghosts you and, um, you're left wondering what happened. Go. So professionally, Professionally, my recommendation is fuck them. My recommendation is it sounds like that person had their own shit going on. And I would say to myself or to my client, whoever my professional recommendation is to, is that it sounds like it's better it happened now and not later. I'm glad that it happened after five dates and not 10 or after 20. Personally, I go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was going to be the answer. Personally, I lose it. What does that look like? If for me, it's probably putting up like a bunch of passive aggressive Insta stories. Oh my god! I wish you were single. This would be it's so like exciting. it's like definitely putting up a bunch of like it's probably like it's it's probably like texting a bunch of like weird weird things. So he has to answer me. Or just a lot of like just a lot of gifts, <laughs> gifs. What are they called? I'm not sure. And then just like weird Insta stories, and then I'd probably try to match with one of his friends. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> How would you do that? I don't know because I listen. A scorned woman, she can do what she can do. A lot you know, she can do. <laughs> he turned into like an Irish man. <laughs> but it was such a bad accent. It was horrible. It's fine. We'll work on it for We're the gonna... next episode. Don't hey, you worry. The next episode, guys is about maintaining your relationships. Productive relationships. Yes. Healthy, if you will. I like that. This is going to be part two of relationships. So please tune in. And if you like this episode, even if you didn't, please subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) We're desperate. (laughs) Rate us. Subscribe. But rate us five. If you do like us, please. (laughs) Leave it be. And message us at Shrink Chicks or WC Therapy Group. We want to hear what you have to say. What you want to hear is what we talk about. We love you. We're women of the people. We will answer all of your questions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. We love you. Bye, guys. Bye.